Oh, no, Stuart. What you doing, man? We're going to talk about Stuart Mandel's Big 12 predictions on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him. Monday through Friday on 94.7, the ref and Norman. Josh, what's up, man? Oh, man, not a whole lot. I feel like I'm of more sound, more sane mind than perhaps, I don't know if we call him our friend, but our media brethren, Stuart Mandel. I feel like yourself, myself, probably you out there watching and listening to this are of more sane mind than one Stuart Mandel who released his Big 12 predictions to... Much rabble-rousing outside of, I don't know, maybe Manhattan, Kansas. They probably felt pretty good about it. But literally every other Big 12 fan base probably looks at this and says, you know what, yeah, Stuart, I don't I don't see this being very likely at all. And for Oklahoma, John, you saw the predictions if you're watching along on YouTube. The final prediction by Stuart Mandel for Oklahoma in the 2022 season, 7-5 and five overall, 5-4 five and four in the Big 12 Conference and it would be a fourth-place finish for Oklahoma. Look, if that's how it plays out for OU in year one for Brent Venables, with this schedule, with what we think the talent is on this roster, John, dude, it is an adjunct failure. I don't know how you can look at this team and think they're three wins worse than what they were last year. You know, because they were 10-2. and in the season they lost to you know baylor oklahoma state they're not that much worse like they're not that much worse and you mentioned the schedule the schedule sets up very favorably for them oklahoma state baylor kansas state all at home your big road trips west virginia going to morgantown up to ames to play iowa state and then tcu or texas tech i mean you got the big one in nebraska but I mean, say say for some reason you start the season off two and one. I I believe there's zero chance that the Oklahoma Sooners then go five and four the rest of the season. Like, there's no way, even if you drop that game to Nebraska, which I don't think that they will. So you start the season three and zero, oh, in my opinion, or let's just say you get you get the gimmies, two and zero oh against UTEP and Kent State. Sorry, Jacob Cooksey, UTEP's a gimme. You start the season two and zero. Oh, you're not going five and five the rest of the way for the Oklahoma Sooners. It's just not happening. Like there's 0% chance that that's going to happen. And so how he comes to this conclusion is beyond me. And I know this is a guy that thinks very, very highly of Lincoln Riley did not mean for that to rhyme, but it happens all the time. Very highly of Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley was a good coach. Caleb Williams was a good quarterback. 
they did not downgrade by going to Jeff Levy. You could call Dylan Gabriel a downgrade, but I don't necessarily think it's that big of a step back in the quarterback play. He's a productive quarterback with a very capable arm, a very capable mind, great leader, a guy that's going to be able to go in there and be a very productive player for the Oklahoma Sooners. And so I just don't see how you get to come to the conclusion that Oklahoma is a, a, a worse team by three losses and with a more favorable schedule against, yeah, a, a deep Big 12 conference. I think it's a very deep conference, but I don't think it's so deep that Oklahoma is going to end up going seven and five. That just seems crazy to me. What would be the SEC equivalent of seven and five for Oklahoma? Like five and seven state. Yeah. I mean, five and seven, six and six, like Mississippi state kind of a, a season or, you know, a, a typical like South Carolina or, I mean, South Carolina had a winning year this last year. Are they worse than South Carolina? Maybe no, no. Like, I don't see this one bit. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the teams in the Big 12 because there's a lot there's a lot of problems that you have with this. But like, let's just first of all come up, try to come up with the five losses. Like, so let's just say Oklahoma loses to Nebraska. Okay, what are, where are the other four losses going to come from in your mind, Josh? Are Red River is that one? Yeah, it would have to be Texas. Would have to be one. Really, all of your key games, right? I mean. It, when I see that from Stuart Mandel, I mean, maybe the road trip down to TCU just because it's on the road. I mean, it, Oklahoma, I don't think, is losing in Morgantown. They're not losing at Texas Tech, right? I mean, it's just hard to find those games to be losses for Oklahoma. I mean, Kansas State, are they coming down to Norman again and, and beating Oklahoma? I know they've done it a couple of times in recent memory, but is this K-State team, are they really going to do that? They're going to come down here and win? Uh, are you also losing those two home games to both Baylor and Oklahoma State? I mean, is Stuart Mandel looking at this thing and saying that the best teams that OU plays in 2022, they're going to lose to every single one of them in Kansas State, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor? It's not going to happen. Not with three of those games in Norman. No way. No, I think at worst, you might split some of those games. Like, let's say you go two and one against K-State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Or you split, you know, your your four games against Oklahoma State, K State, Baylor, and Texas. Arguably, your four toughest games on the season. Even if you split those games, you're still not ending up at seven and five. Like the math just doesn't work out for me. And you mentioned TCU. Like, okay, say they drop a game to TCU, a two and seven TCU team. That's hard for me to fathom too. Like, it, it's just a a prediction that makes no sense to me. And this is a guy that left Oklahoma outside of his top 25 in his way too early rankings back in the spring. So he definitely doesn't like Oklahoma heading into 2022. Nothing's changed on that front. He's been very consistent about it. But is he going like the Colin Coward wrote and just be like, hey, let's, let's trash Oklahoma so we can rile up the sports fans and get them to, to hate click on the, on the article um, and then get us to talk about it on, on the podcast. But I feel like it's worth mentioning. Like The Athletic is a great site it's a great publication i love the athletic i go there for just fun like not even just for work but for fun like i read a lot of dallas cowboys stuff over there dallas stars it's just a lot it's kind of one of my go-to places um for just sports coverage and so when i see things like this i'm always a little bit disappointed because one i pay a subscription to the athletic and so i expect that when i pay a subscription to something that i'm going to get quality reasonable content i'm not going to get hot takes 
but that's just what this reads to me is that it's just a hot take to get the OU fandom riled up. You're welcome. It, or you worked. Congratulations. I just don't get how you look at this Oklahoma Sooners team and think that that they're that much worse. Now I can see Baylor finishing second and we're going to get into a lot of more of this. I can see some of these things taking place, but I don't see Oklahoma going seven and five in Brent Venable's first year, even though it's his first year as a head coach. I wrote about it over at Sooners Wire. His experience matters. As a defensive coordinator, as a linebacker's coach, his 30 years, nearly 30 years of coaching experience, that matters. It has to count for something. This roster is too good, John, for this team to finish seven and five. And this schedule, quite frankly, is too bad for Oklahoma to finish seven and five. This is an OU program that, look, uh, I'll, I'll give Lincoln Riley his credit where credit's due. Lincoln Riley had a good five-year run as Oklahoma's head coach. We can sit here and talk about how the team got worse, and I do think they were trending in the wrong direction in terms of where he started and where Oklahoma ended up uh, in his tenure. But the bottom line is he won a lot of football games at Oklahoma. Guess what? The head football coach before that, Bob Stoops, won a lot of football games at Oklahoma. This is a program dating back to 1999 with Bob Stoops, John, that wins a lot of football games, bad seasons. The worst seasons for Oklahoma are seven and five, right? That first season for Bob Stoops or the eight and five year in 2014. That's a disaster year for Oklahoma. This is what Stuart Mandel is calling for. And I just don't see how Oklahoma is going to, wind up in that type of scenario. I do think it's 1,000% about, hey, let's rile up Oklahoma and get those hate clicks. And it drives me crazy that someone that's, quite frankly, respected, like Stuart Mandel, would sink himself to to that type of level because there's no way. Stuart Mandel, stop it. You, you don't think Oklahoma's one of the top 25 teams in the country. You think Oklahoma's going to lose five games versus this schedule? How bad do you think Dylan Gabriel is? How bad are Oklahoma's running backs? How bad are Oklahoma's wide receivers? How bad is this defense? Do you have no respect for Brent Venables? He's not magically just not going to know how to coach because he's a first-year head coach. He's been around three Hall of Famers. He knows what it takes to win football games. Stop it. OU's not going 7-5. and five. If OU goes 7-5, and five, then look, the, the Brent Venables era probably is going nowhere because if that happens against this schedule, look, dude, the future is not bright at OU. And it would be one thing if it was just Oklahoma where the prediction didn't make sense. But there's a lot of teams on this, on, on his projections that just don't make sense. And we're going to talk more about them after I talk to you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is gearing you up for fall with the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. Go to LinkedIn Jobs. It's there to make it easier for you to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's worldwide. There's only more than 300 million people in the United States. So you're getting your job posted to the world at LinkedIn Jobs. Add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview. Well, it's here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey college football insiders. Quite frankly, it's everything that you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. So, John, we've talked about a good bit of crazy here. I just, again, can't get my mind wrapped around the idea that a program that has been consistently winning double-figure games and, oh, by the way, before last season had won the Big 12 Conference six consecutive years in a row. Somehow Stuart Mandel has them because Lincoln Riley leaves, who, again, OU was doing this before Lincoln Riley arrived, and they'll continue to do it after Lincoln Riley's gone. Whatever. He's got them going seven and five. There's some other peculiarities with this prediction from Stuart Mandel as well. A lot of people now this would, you know, quite frankly, you look at this entirety of this list, John and Kansas state winning the big 12 and going seven and two and 10 and two in the regular season. That's probably not at the top of the weird factor on this list. We can dive into that, but how about Kansas winning three games? Are you kidding me? I'm more optimistic on Kansas than maybe some people are. I think Kansas, I've said it right here. I think Kansas is beating Iowa State when Iowa State goes to Lawrence. But three conference games, I mean, come on. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know which three games Stuart Mandel believes Kansas is going to win. I'm also very optimistic about Kansas and how they've really grown in the first year under Lance Leipold and what they're going to be capable of doing in, in another year with Jalen Daniels at quarterback. I like this team. I think it's going to be better. Is it going to be so much better that they win three conference games and finish eighth instead of 10th in the conference? I don't think so. I think they could still be better and still finish last in the conference. I mean, that's where I would, that's where I'd pick them and predict them, but to put them ahead of Texas and TCU, my mind is blown. Literally. I mean, I don't necessarily think Texas is going to go from five and seven to being a 10 or 11 win team in 2022. But again, we're talking, if we're talking about like, how is Oklahoma worse to me, Texas isn't worse than they were last year. Like the floor for them, in my opinion is five and seven. I think it's more likely that they're around seven to nine wins this season, but he's got them going two and seven in the big 12. And what was it? Four and eight overall. I I mean, we know the one game against Bama is going to be a loss. That's the one we can look at and be like, that's a loss. Everything else is on the table for Texas. I mean, even Red River. Like, even though I think Oklahoma wins that game, Red River just gets weird. It's just a weird game that it doesn't matter what the two teams look like. It could become a barn burner of a game that comes down to the wire, a last-second field goal, overtime game, something like that. And Texas is very capable. I mean, they still got Bajan Robinson. They still have Xavier Worthy. And a lot of people think that they've got a quarterback upgrade from Casey Thompson to Quinn Ewers how just how and i'm not a big texas fan obviously we're hosting locked on sooners but i just don't see them being a worse team than they were last year and then tcu i mean that's an interesting team to follow 
But I think offensively, they're still going to be a good enough team to where they aren't going to finish four and eight on the season. I don't see any way that Kansas is better than Texas. And I know, insert your joke here, Kansas beat Texas last season. Texas is not losing to Kansas again this year. I think Texas will be better than Iowa State. I think Texas has a great chance to be better than TCU. Uh, I think they'll definitely be better than Texas Tech. West Virginia, I would toss into that category that uh, Texas will be better than. Did I mention Iowa State? I think they'll be better than them too. So, yeah, the idea that they're just – John, that they're going to be worse, worse than the five and seven they were a a season ago, I just don't see – that being likely at all. And that's even with Quinn Ewers potentially not being the guy that uh, obviously he's built to be or being the same or worse across the board than the production that they got from Casey Thompson. I just think kind of right off uh, Xavier Worthy and B. John Robinson alone, that's going to be worth them minus Alabama winning five games in this league. They can't be worse than they were a year ago. Beyond that, I mean, you just – you look at the standings, Kansas State at the top. I mean, look, I'm as big of a Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn fan as anyone. And I think that Adrian Martinez could be a really nice pairing with Deuce Vaughn. It's hard, though, for me to look at this league before we kick this thing off and say that Kansas State is going to wind up better than any of this three, Baylor, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma. I just, man, I got a hard time doing that. Yeah, and we've talked a ton about Adrian Martinez. One thing that Mandel mentioned in his piece is that he believed Kansas State got an upgrade at quarterback in Martinez. And I'm just not so sure. Like, I don't see how we can get to that point. Skylar Thompson was a was pretty good. Remember, he came into to Norman and, and beat Oklahoma two years ago. Like, this is a good quarterback. When he was healthy, he was as good a quarterback as they had in the Big 12 at times. And that's kind of the key, like, could he have stayed healthy more, you know, could he have played more games, had less, fewer injury issues? If that's the difference, maybe you could consider Adrian Martinez an equal quarterback because he stays on the field. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't miss games. But the production to me isn't there to put Adrian Martinez in that category that he's an upgrade over Skylar Thompson. If anything, it's a push. And from what we've seen from this Kansas State team over the last couple of years, as great as Chris Kleiman is, I mean, this is a seven and five football team. Like that's kind of where they land. You know, they're, they're just like a middle of the pack, big 12 program, five and seven, six and six, seven, five. That's just kind of where they land as a football program. That doesn't mean that they can't make a big jump, but I don't think Adrian Martinez is the guy that is going to move the needle enough for them to make that jump. Cause even with Skylar Thompson, who I think is a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez, I'm going to be very clear about that. I believe Skylar Thompson was a better quarterback than I think Adrian Martinez is. I don't think he's going to be enough to help them make that jump. Deuce Vaughn is great. Felix Anadike Uzoma, he's fantastic. Cooper Beebe at offensive tackle, another great player. But that's not enough. Your quarterback has to be one of the best in the conference for you to win a lot of games or at least be able to manage the game well enough for your defense to make enough plays. Like, is Kansas State's defense going to be Oklahoma State or Baylor level to where Adrian Martinez just has to go and not turn the football over and manage games? I don't think so. I don't think we're looking at them saying, yeah, they're going to have one of the best defenses in the country in 2022. And so he's going to have to do something for that team to win football games. 
you know, I, I don't have a problem with Baylor, Oklahoma State being kind of two and three, um, or, you know, like I, I don't have a problem with those. I, I think Kansas State could, you know, factor into the, or figure into the top four. I just don't see them being the number one team in, in the conference during the regular season and beating Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, which Stuart Mandel is projected. Yeah, if we haven't said it by now, we should just point blank say it. Stuart Mandel should be embarrassed by this prediction. It is such a disgrace that he put this pile of trash out and is treating it as any sort of journalistic prediction. It's not what Stuart Mandel believes. There's no way it's what Stuart Mandel believes. And if it is what Stuart Mandel believes, then probably he should go look for a different occupation. It's that bad. Yeah, and I, and I think like I can get that Oklahoma may not be as good. They might not win as many games as they did a year ago. But again, I don't see how they're three games worse. I get how you could maybe say Texas won't be better, but I don't think they're going to be a game worse than what they were. I just don't. I think honestly, I think they're going to win more games than they did last year. Now they're not. I don't think they'll necessarily contend for the Big Twelve title, but I do. I do think that they'll go seven and five, eight and four, something like that. They're going to be good. They're going to be better, and I don't think that that that's a bad thing to say. I think it's reasonable and realistic. To, to project him to go two and seven in the Big Twelve to me is just laughable. I think even the most stringent and ardent Texas hater from the Oklahoma fan base has a hard time believing Texas goes two and seven in the Big Twelve. That's just not going to happen. They're not that bad. Steven Sarkeesian, I mean, he might not be a great coach, but he's not a terrible coach. You know, Quinn Ewers might be a first year quarterback, but he's not a bad quarterback. He's a guy that has a lot of skill and a lot of talent. Do they have an offensive line that has some issues? Maybe. Do they have a defense that needed to be better than last year? Sure. But I don't think it can be worse than what it was last year. And so that, to me, that's the, the big kicker on this is like what you're doing with Oklahoma and what you're doing with Texas, you're just trying to get people's reaction. And to me, it's a bummer because we, we have so much of that happening in today's media, whether it's Colin Coward, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, and now Stuart Mandel, that you're like, it's just, it's just disappointing. You know, we expect this. We expect this from certain people. We expect this from, you know, certain websites that, that are trying to kind of get your goat a little bit. But yeah, you don't expect it from a respected journalist that's been covering college football for a long time um, from The Athletic, a place that, is, you know, is supposed to have a collection of really good journalists and writers and then to put this out. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, somebody's going to have to finish last in the big 12. That's going to be the case. Somebody will finish first. Obviously. I just don't think it's going to be TCU finishing last Kansas state finishing first, Texas, the third worst team, Oklahoma, the fourth best team. It just doesn't, I don't see it happening. Kansas better than both TCU and Texas and winning three conference games. I hope for the, our Jayhawk fans' sake out there that that's true. I mean, it's been a long, decade-long wait, but sorry, guys. I think you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. Yeah, and so, hey, real quick, we're going to touch on a piece that John Hoover wrote over at All Sooners SI. Uh, great. If you're, if you're not following, I'm sure you're following John. John's one of the best that covers Oklahoma uh, sports. And uh, so he came out with five true freshmen that he believes could have an impact for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022. Josh, I think you 
maybe had that list in front of you at one point in time. Uh, I know we know Jaron Kanak's on the list, a guy that was a true freshman All-American, according to ESPN, somebody who could probably step in and play pretty much right away. Uh, and as part of that kind of four deep, five deep linebacker rotation for the Oklahoma Sooners. But who else was on that list, Josh, that, that bears mentioning? John Hoover, who did not, to my knowledge, pick Kansas to win three conference games and uh, Oklahoma to, to lose five football games this season. So we can put stock in what John Hoover has to say. Here were the five true freshmen that John Hoover had that could play right now for Oklahoma. Gavin Sawchuk, the running back, cornerback Jaden Rowe, cornerback Gentry Williams, wide receiver Jaden Gibson, and you mentioned it, linebacker slash cheetah Jaron Kanick. And I got to say, I mean, I think all five of these are pretty realistic possibilities. I would say to me, Jaden Gibson is a no-brainer. He's absolutely going to see snaps. And I think he's got a chance by season's end, John, to be what we're regarding as one of the best wide receivers for Oklahoma. I've said it a lot this offseason. I think both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk, the freshman running backs, they're going to get opportunities, especially if Eric Gray and Marcus Major don't just take the running back job and seal it up early, which I'm not totally convinced they do. I think those freshmen are going to have a great chance. And then Jaden Rowe, given his size and the speed and everything that he's got in the defensive backfield, I think he's going to have a chance as well. So it's uh, interesting. It'd be kind of wild if three out of those five, four out of those five, or I don't know, what if all five of those guys were legit difference makers as true freshmen? It'd be pretty nuts. Yeah, you can see this in two ways. Either it's a really, really good thing that these freshmen have pushed for playing time this early in their career, or it's a bad thing that the upperclassmen aren't as good as we hoped that they would be. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the optimistic lean in that these guys are, are pushing themselves up the depth chart, and it's not because – somebody else isn't playing up to expectation. I mean, I think all of these guys are very talented players. And because, I mean, you have a depth issue at linebacker. We talked about that with Parker Thune earlier this week. You know, linebacker was kind of his biggest question mark heading into the start of the season. Jaron Kanick, he, he can figure into the linebacker snap count. You know, cornerback isn't settled, you know, outside of Woody Washington. I think there's still opportunities for guys like Gentry Williams and Jaden Rowe to get opportunities and then at wide receiver, I think you're right. Like there's a, a chance that Jaden Gibson could see significant playing time. Now, all these guys are going to probably get playing time these first couple weeks of the season against UTEP and Kent State if Oklahoma is able to get out to a big lead like we expect that they will be. What's going to be interesting to follow is do these guys get snaps in close games, meaningful playing time, like playing time that's going to have an impact on the outcome of the football game. That's what we're going to watch for in the first half of the season because to play these guys, you have to potentially burn a red shirt. Is it going to be worth it? Now, if they are, then they've earned that right. They've earned the spot, and that's a good thing for Oklahoma that you have these young guys that are ready to contribute early. Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes are going to get a chance. I mean, Gavin Sawchuk, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to get like stuff schemed specifically for him. You know, He may not play a ton because he came in as a summer enrollee, but he might have five to 10 plays that are like, these are Gavin Sawchuk plays because we want to get his speed on the football field. And so you might see his name called a few times a game just to get the ball in his football hand or in the, in his football hands to, uh, to make a big play. And then, you know, we've talked about Javante Barnes, just his ability to run with a punishing style. I mean, he could factor into that end of game 
you know, late game situations where you need, you know, third and one and you need a first down to close it out. Javante Barnes, he's got the toughness and the physicality to kind of be that guy, similar to a Marcus Major, but just with a little bit higher of a ceiling, we think. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how the true freshmen factor in on this front because those, those are the positions where you think, okay, a lot of it comes down to just your, your technique and your instinct, not as much your size and your strength and your bulk, whereas offensive line, defensive line, you have to kind of bulk up to be college ready to play right away linebacker there's a mental side of the game that has to click for you at the college level for you to be ready to go linebacker or running back wide receiver cornerback a lot of that's just technique and instinct you know you've been playing it for a while you know what you're supposed to do the route combinations the route cha- trees don't change you know running formations they're kind of all the same they don't really come up with new running formations anymore it's just different keys different reads against different teams so I think those are guys that I think John Hoover hit the nail on the head. Those are guys that could have huge impacts for the Oklahoma Sooners this year. So it's not John Hoover. It's Dean Blevins. Let's play oh. the percentages. No, no, it was, it was John. Oh, okay, okay. This is, this is not John Hoover. Now it's Dean Blevins. Let's play okay. the percentages. The odds that none of these five freshmen are legitimate big time impactors in 2022. What's your percentage? I'll put it that like I'm saying the chance that none of them play significant, meaningful snaps, I'll put it at like 10%. I think there's a 90% chance that one of them plays significant snaps for the Oklahoma Sooners this year. I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it's, you know, 10% or if it's 15% or if it's 5%, but it's right around that neighborhood. I think that one of those five guys and probably a couple of those five names that John listed right there. They're going to be difference makers for Oklahoma this season. And that is going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Now we're just nine days out. If you're listening on the podcast side, uh, still 10 days, if you're watching tonight on YouTube, when we drop this, but nine days away from the start of the 2022 season against the UTEP miners underrated nickname. I like the, the miners as a nickname. It's pretty, pretty dope. Um, where Oklahoma is going to, going to put it on them. I think everybody's going to be excited for the start of the Brent Venables era. Nine months of pent-up frustration and rage is going to be unleashed at Owen Field toward the Miners. God bless you on that Saturday afternoon in September. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you for helping us get to 2,500 subscribers by the start of the 2022 season. That was our goal. We made it. Now we can set a new goal. We're trying to get the 3,000 by September, by the end of September, help us get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of September. What we're aiming for, we're having a great year here on Locked On Sooners, and that's because of you. We're so thankful for you. We're grateful for your time and your clicks and your subscribes. Make sure you tell a friend about Locked On Sooners. Let us know how you feel about the show in the comment section over on YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed to the show on YouTube, make sure you go over there, do that, hit the notification bell, let you know when new episodes drop. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.